Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and Episode 17 of Off the Course, the podcast where golf course superintendents and other turf heads talk about literally anything other than work. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of the magazine. My guest today is the great Thad Thompson. Thad is the superintendent at Terry Hills Golf Course in Batavia, New York. He is also a big metal fan. He mentions during our conversation that he played Megadeth for his boys Daly and Dylan when they were still babies. His youngest son, Dylan, is the drummer for the up-and-coming metal band Invictra. We talk about raising musicians and music lovers' life as a metal dad, a year without live events or tours, the logistics of putting on a backyard concert, and a lot more. You'll also hear a few tracks from Invictra. Fair warning, if you're listening with headphones or earbuds, you might want to turn down the volume a notch or two for those musical interludes. Invictra can play. Before any of that, a few quick notes. I'll be hosting the 10th annual GCI Tweetup. Tag it online, hashtag GCI Tweetup 21, and the 2021 Super Social Media Awards at 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, March 31st. This is a virtual event. Nominations are open through February 25th. Winners will be honored in the John Kaminsky Award for Social Media Leadership, Best Overall Use of Social Media, Best Twitter Feed, Best Use of Video, Best Idea Shared on Social Media, and our Conservation Award, among others. Thanks to Aquatrolls, which has sponsored the tweet-up since 2012, all 10 editions. If you know a talented young writer, editor, or even turf student were seeking an editorial intern for the summer, come work with Guy Cipriano and me writing feature stories and news articles, contributing to our social media accounts, learning podcast production and editing, proofreading digital and print content, assisting in site management, visiting successful golf facilities, of course, and learning how to work with wild personalities like Guy and me. This is a paid position. It'll last at least 12 weeks more if you have the time and interest. If you want to be our intern, send a cover letter, your resume, and three examples of your published work to Brittany Cachito at B-C-O-C-C-I-T-T-O at G-I-E dot net. Finally, our new Turf Heads Guide to Grilling encourages industry professionals everywhere to share glamour shots of food on a grill or serving plates, cooking videos, team bonding shots, recipes, tips, and it's up and running. Just use the Turf Heads Grilling hashtag and tag GCI Magazine and Solutions for Turf. Solutions, the number for turf on Twitter. Materials will be collected throughout the year and printed in a year-end insert in our December Turf Heads Takeover issue. Industry professionals whose materials are selected for that insert will be eligible to win a team cookout in 2022. AquaAid Solutions is our partner for this delicious diversion. AquaAid Solutions is also the proud sponsor of Off the Course, now in their second year of sponsoring this show. Thank you so much. For more than 30 years, AquaAid Solutions has been helping turf managers around the world develop comprehensive agronomic plans to produce healthy, environmentally aware, safe, natural grass-playing surfaces. They are proud to deliver best-in-class solutions for management of key elements for a healthy and sustainable plant system. Their solutions include wetting agents, soil surfactants, calcium and potassium products, and worm power turf. 
all of which help the end user optimize his or her agronomic programs. Incorporating AquaAid Solutions' technologically advanced active ingredients with cutting-edge equipment technology and IMANTS, Vrito Seeders, and Seagrow Mobile Grow Systems, turf managers are offered synergistic solutions, delivering long-lasting agronomic value, improved aesthetics, and playability. AquaAid Solutions. Now, Talking Metal with Thad Thompson. My guest again on this episode of Off the Course, Thad Thompson. You might recognize his name from a few stories in golf course industry, most recently quoted in the Carl Quandry last summer. Is Carl Spackler good for the industry? You also recognize him from Twitter, where he tweets Terry Hills Maint, M-A-I-N-T. He's the superintendent at Terry Hills in Batavia, New York, a proud member in good standing of the Bills Mafia. We'll talk about that a little later. But he's also the father of Daly and Dylan, and Dylan is the drummer in an up-and-coming Buffalo-area metal band Invictra. You'll hear their music throughout the show. Thad, a proud dad, a metal dad. Welcome to Off the Course. How you doing? Great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And like I said, we're going to talk about the Bills at some point, but it's not football season. It's always metal season. And if folks follow you on Twitter, again, at Terry Hills, Maine, T-E-R-R-Y, H-I-L-L-S-M-A-I-N-T, and about 3,500 people do. Uh, More should. It's a very entertaining account. You tweet about, obviously, the Bills in season, obviously some golf, but I feel like the overwhelming percentage of tweets on your account is to your early 20s. I think he's 22-year-old son, Dylan, who is a member of Invictra, four-piece metal band. I started listening to him recently, and I told you right before we started recording that I listened to him on the treadmill over the weekend, and I'm not in great shape. I needed to slow myself down because I feel like listening to them, I could have run seven or sub-seven-minute miles, and that would not be good for my, my Achilles. I need to work myself into these. It is really good music. Yeah, they really uh, they really kind of picked it up, you know. They... Um... Oh, well, I mean, Dylan really has only been playing drums for uh, eight years, you know. And, you know, as a a real little kid, he was banging on pots and pans all the time. (laughs) And, you know, he he ended up, he bought his own drum set first. And uh, his mother and I at the time got him... Oh, we signed him up for lessons, and he had he had two drum lessons, and then his grades weren't so bad, so we stopped doing that um, until his grades improved. So he put earbuds in and uh, listened to Metallica and learned all, literally all their songs. And uh, I, I, both my kids have just had a a huge passion for music. Um, I was I was playing them. Anthrax, Megadeth, that kind of stuff in their cribs when they were little. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they this, this band, you know, I, I'd love to say they're nationally famous and it's really taken off. They're making really good strides, um, playing a lot of local shows. I really, really can't wait till we get back into uh, 
having live music again in, in New York State anyways. The pandemic has obviously slowed down the growth of a lot of newer up-and-coming bands just because you can't play, you can't tour, uh, and we'll get into how the pandemic has affected them a little bit. You mentioned Dylan started drumming when he was about 14, and Daly, a musician as well? He's a, a very good guitarist, and he does all the writing and producing. He and Dylan and a friend of theirs, Cooper, um, have a, a side project where they do that. They'll, they'll hate me when they hear this because I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like that very slow, sludgy, grindcore, screaming music. I, I hate the term screamo music, but I guess if this was going to fit uh, anything, it would be that. But it's a it's a cool project. I go down to their uh, rehearsal space a lot and <laughs> and actually watch them screw around, and it's 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 just so much fun because it's it's really off the cuff uh, type stuff. And I'm like, did you write these lyrics? And they're like, oh yeah. You didn't know the difference between that and the last song. <laughs> But yeah, my my older son Daly is uh, is actually just just started grad school. He um he's going to get his master's in public policy. Believe it or not. Wow, it's a bit of a shift from from metal, but I guess you can do both at the same time. Oh yeah, I, my, my my kids have schooled me on metal music. I'm, I I listen to it a lot. You know, high school, college, and you know, since on since then. But if you ever bring up metal music around them and start talking about it, it's like going down a rabbit hole because you will hear of bands you've, you literally, you couldn't make some of these names up and they know every song on their albums. They're, they're extremely good metal historians. I will give them both that. <laughs> well, I think to promote the band, maybe they should start their own podcast. I'm sure there's lots of metal podcasts out there, but PhD level podcasts about metal history i think there's always a market for that yeah yeah i i well and that's that's some of the way they've uh they've learned so much a lot of it was research on their own but i mean these kids are like sponges when it comes to especially metal stuff but quite a variety of topics so there are cds now uh the rockabye baby series probably been out for 10 or 12 years that take popular music and it it some of it is metal and some of it is pop and some of it is uh like there's johnny cash the the album i've always waited for is the kinks and they've never made it but where they take these popular songs that we all know and they turn them into basically bedtime music so a little Mm -hmm. softer uh melancholy and the infinite sadness by the smashing pumpkins works the best out of all the albums i think they've ever done but they have metal and so I played these for my four, my now four-year-old when she was a baby, but you played real metal music. You mentioned you played actual Megadeth for Daly and Dylan when they were babies. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. How did that work out? Did they actually like I, fall well, asleep to that? Well, I mean, we weren't putting it on as bedtime music, okay. but it was always always around and, you know, going on. And, you know, the kids, I don't know how to explain it. They They just got charged up when they were little you know you, you, you pull your kid any type of music and it'd be like that you see them bouncing around and dancing and stuff but, you know right from the start they that just was kind of what they gravitated to what was the period like between when they're real little you're playing megadeth and everything else and you mentioned when we were texting over the weekend there are a lot of influences on invictra but the m's were 
a big part of it. Megadeth, Metallica, Motorhead, and I'm no uh, metal PhD level knowledge, but I did pick up some Motorhead on some of the songs for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the time like between when you started playing for them and they're just bouncing off the walls to when they actually start to play themselves? Kind of that uh, two or three up to really the start of high school. Did they stay in it or did they kind of gravitate away from music for a while? No, they were they were always in it. You know, you got to remember for for their timeline and I guess mine too. This is when the computer age was really starting to take off with the uh, the internet and everything. So they were learning to research stuff on their own. And, you know, th- there was a lot of... Dylan is an extremely good artist, too. So there were band logos all over his room that he was drawing and copying and stuff like that. Daly was more the researcher, and Dylan was more the um, the listener and learning from his brother, too. They, um, they, they were totally into it the whole time, right down to the, you know, ripped jeans and jackets and stuff like that with patches all over them. I was like, gee, these are like little mini me's from when I used to go to concerts back in the you know early nineties. <laughs> well, and and this is down the road, but Dylan, a heck of a welder too, which you also tweet about. You've got like a whole welding setup in your garage. Yeah, yeah. Right now, the only thing he's welding with in the garage is he's got a little flux core welder that he bought, but he has others. We just got a. It's winter right now, so we got to run some more power out to the garage for them. He actually, he actually works for a company that makes dock parts. So right now in his career, he's welding eight hours a day, welding piece, welding dock parts together. And we've had several discussions about, um, a possible, instead of just a job in welding, a career in welding. And, you know, sometimes your kids school you when he says, dad, 22 years old, I like doing my music and having the freedom to do it whenever I want. And I'm working Monday through Friday from, you know, 8 to 5 or whatever it is. And I have my evenings. And, you know, thinking to myself, God, I wish I was that grounded when I was 22. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. So when they're in late middle school, early high school, they're about 14 and 16, Dylan starts drumming dailies involved as well what was the early time like when they're taking lessons they're really learning how to play you'd mentioned that dylan took some time off to get grades up but that kind of middle school to high school to kind of late teens early 20s period uh what was that like before the band really got together and and started playing and recording well I'll, i'll never forget this the first one of the, the first time I ever saw Dylan on a drum set, my, my brother, Drew, who is the superintendent of East Aurora Country Club, uh, his son had a, a set of drums. And we were over there for a birthday party or something. And we kind of heard all this banging coming from the basement. You know, kids playing on the drums. All right, cool. All of a sudden, we started hearing something that sounded really like a song, and somebody was playing the drums. So we all kind of walked downstairs, and it's Dylan playing these drums. And my youngest brother, Stacy, looks at me and goes, oh, we got to get him some drums. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, there was a lot of, I don't, I don't want to say missteps and stuff, but it's the natural progression. A kid's just picking up an inter- instrument, 
and going on natural talent in his ear with, like, no training. And really, that's kind of the way he is now. To this day, he says, I think I'm going to go get some lessons at some point. I'm looking at him like he's nuts. But he wants to be a little more technically sound than he is. But it was a lot. My my attic was in Victor's first practice studio. And my attic, the actual working space in it, is about 200 square feet. (laughs) So they were up there with amps for two guitars, uh, amps for a bass, plus Dylan's drum set, where there were times when they were practicing, like, the three guitars' foreheads were almost touching. And being in the residential neighborhood that I'm in, I would never allow them to open the front windows because the sound would just bounce right up and go up and down the street. And we got into the policy of not opening the rear windows anymore, too, because um, kids being kids, they're forgetful little bastards sometimes, and he wouldn't close them, and I'd have bats in my house all night long. So we had the policy of, of keeping the windows closed, so consequently they were up there practicing in the summer when it was about 110 degrees. But if you have to, you know, make your bones somewhere, that may have been one of the places that they did it. So the attic, not the garage, and you get bats nope. in your house. I had one in my house last summer, and uh, the the four-year-old loved it because it was flying around her room, and we're just trying to get this thing out of the house, out the front door. It was quite an uh, ordeal. I've always said if they could make an alarm clock of a bat flying around or a dog puking, nobody would ever oversleep. <laughs> it's just flying around the fan with the light. Probably yep. the same for you. <laughs> so when was when were those first sessions for Invictra in the Thompson family attic? Oh, Dylan was about seventeen. Wow. So, oh yeah, he had, he joined Invictra when he was seventeen. At the time, it was a three piece band. It was Josh Zaylor, who was the founder, if you will, lead singer, lead guitarist. They had somebody on drums, and they had. And a, a bassist, and I, I didn't know this was going on in Leroy, where I live. And uh, the drummer left, so somehow Dylan got contacted by Josh, and I'll never forget because he was out at my house on the weekend, and he went to meet him. And you know, about six hours later, it's like eight o'clock at night, and I'm looking for. He, he was younger than seventeen at that time, but I'm looking for my son. He's not answering his phone, da, 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 all this stuff. And Dylan, you know, at the time was a year away from wanting to go to college and all this stuff. And they came over. I, I was furious because I'd been out of contact with my kid. And uh, the, he and Josh both came over. And, you know, Josh was saying to me, Mr. Thompson, we really like your, your, your son as a drummer and we would love to have him be part of it. But I just want to assure you, we don't want to get in the way of, of Dylan, you know, pursuing college. And, you know, this is a band that we feel passionate about and stuff like that. I mean, these are kids at the time. It's a band we, we feel passionate about and everything like that. But but we still know that there's there's real life out there, too. And, you know, we're not dr- driving to L.A. next week or anything like that. So, I mean, they maybe played me a little bit, but it really put me at ease because, you know, every kid that's been in that band you know, then and up to now has been a very well-grounded kid that, and I keep calling them kids because they're my kids, but they, uh, they, they've always been extremely well-grounded and when they get on stage or when they're writing, I, I am amazed at how focused they are 
Um, I was I was at, actually at the studio this past Saturday. Um, Dylan was supposed to track three songs because they do all their drums at uh, Wicked Squid Studios in Rochester. Dylan was supposed to track three songs Friday night because they had five hours of studio time Friday night and then come in and do the other two on Saturday. So I was going to come up Saturday. The kid nailed all all five songs Friday night, and the last song he did, he did in one, t- one take, apparently. So I got up there, and I got to listen to him, but I never got to see him actually drum. So that was a little dis- – I, I, I love watching him record because, you know, he set up with this full drum kit with, you know, 32 mics plastered on it and around the room, and it's, it's just amazing to watch. If folks don't follow you on Twitter, you tweeted out a photo of the 32-mic setup, I think on Friday. Oh, they- and then over the weekend, you also had a very short video of Dylan listening to the recording back and just in the zone, just playing it, kind of air drums, essentially. Yeah. Sitting there, <laughs> playing air drums, in the zone, listening to himself playing in the zone. That was the one track yeah. recording. Uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so much, it's so much fun for me. Because I'm up there as somebody who is very much in control at my job to sit down with these guys and they're using terminology I don't know. And when it comes up on the computer as stuff fades in and fades out, there's a metronome going and, you know, I'm asking dumb questions like, is that in all your songs? Or, and they're like, that's in every song until we <laughs> take it out. Like, oh, geez, I, you know, I look like a complete idiot, but I, it's just my nature, I guess. I, I, I ask a lot of questions. It's just so neat to see these four guys sitting there, and they've created this piece of music. They've transferred what's in their heads to this recording. And I know right now, at at that particular time, I'm listening to drums and rhythm guitars. They haven't put the bass in. They haven't put the lyrics in. But it's just, it's, it's, it's intoxicatingly, I don't know, just you, you want to sit there and just watch them. It's like no no other process I've ever seen. Because, you know, when, when I do something on a golf course, I have a clear picture of what the end result's going to be. Where this is an ever-changing policy right down to, hey, Dylan, run back in the studio, and right at this beat, I want you to hit Tom 3 and Tom 4 really hard, and we're going to put that in the song. And if we don't like it, we'll take it out. And they do something like that, and then it works. Can you hear it? It's just it's like, oh, yeah, we, we made the right decision. And I'm like, this is just insane. Well, let's talk a little bit more in a minute about the similarities and the differences between golf course maintenance and building track by track a metal song and a metal album. But in case folks have not jumped in yet already, let's listen to, just for a minute or two, a little bit of Wretch of Deceit. This is the first track from the new album, Chaos Theory.
That again, Wretch of Deceit from Invictra. We are talking with the father of Invictra's drummer. You know him as Thad Thompson, superintendent at Terry Hills in Batavia, New York. Thad, before the musical break, you were talking a little bit about both golf course maintenance and building a metal song and a metal album, track by track, instrument by instrument. Now, you have experience on one half. Obviously, Dylan and Daly have experience on the other half. But from your perspective, what are some of the real similarities between the two? They're both very artistic endeavors. Yeah, they are. And I, I, I think with both, you, in the back of your mind, have an end goal in mind. I mean, certainly we know what on a golf course what standards we're trying to achieve at the at the end of the day especially when it comes to different projects and everything you know music and golf course maintenance I, I i think both of them there's a lot of thinking outside the box achieving whatever results you're looking for but not everybody does it the same way uh, music de- definitely i mean they're us- they're using one one microphone i saw them using before was a, an old telephone and they're using the mic in the telephone. Um, we may not have all the tools that we have here for, say, a, a big irrigation job, but we figure out a way to do it with the tools that we have. You know, both are both are very creative endeavors, and it's not all linear. There's a lot of jumping around on it. When you talk about kind of jimmying up different parts that you may not have, but you've got other stuff uh, like a microphone in a in a telephone. Did either of the boys work with you, even if it was just for a shift here or a summer there when they were younger? Both boys, the year they graduated high school, I forcefully asked them to work with me. <laughs> okay. um, I, was, I was divorced at the time, but they both lived with me for a summer and got up with me every day and did the work. You know, they're everything from changing cups to helping out with our projects and you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Daly got done doing it and said, Dad, you know, it's great. Glad I worked with you. But I won't be back next year. And he went up to Penfield Country Club in Rochester and worked for two more years. <laughs> and Dylan worked for me when he graduated high school and absolutely loved it and went on to weld. And since that time, he has said several times, you know, if you ever need help on a weekend, I'd love to come in and change cups you know, one more time or, or something. They both, I, I wanted them to see what I did and not from a vanity standpoint. Um, they needed, they needed to know why dad was as tired as he was during their formidable years. Because obviously after 31, 32 years in the business, I'm a much different golf course superintendent than I was you know, 15, 18 years ago uh, when they when they remembered me going to work. And their, their uncle as well, obviously. You're not the only superintendent in the family. Just to see tired but fulfilled family members all throughout the family. Yeah, well, I mean, when it's, it's hard for uh, my brother Drew and I to get together during the, during the, the season. Sure. Because our schedules are crazy, and you know we may have that odd birthday uh, or something in the middle of the summer when when we have a party, and you know we get to, we talk a lot on the phone and stuff, but actually getting together. And now they, my kids, get it 
a little better. And uh, Drew's son works with him now, too, over at, at East Aurora. So I guess we got five different people that have <laughs> or are working on golf courses now, just in, in our two families. And I think it's a safe assumption. Again, there might be one or two other folks in the world out there who can say this, but I think Dylan might be the only metal drummer who also at least will go out and do, if not enjoys, cutting cups. <laughs> yeah, I think he's definitely in a minority in the metal community. <laughs> very, very small group. Maybe a group of one. Might be a handful, but I would, I would venture maybe one. Right. <laughs> so we are almost a year into this pandemic. Obviously no live shows. I'm in Cleveland. You're in New York State. New York State has been on lockdown, I feel like, a little longer than us even, but I don't remember the last time I went to a concert, or sometime early in 2020, uh, any sort of live entertainment. You brought Invictra to your backyard at one point last summer to the point where your Twitter header photo is you with your arms spread wide in a cut-off Invictra t-shirt at this backyard concert. Tell me about that concert. Well, I was hosting. I had to look the part, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you, you, you've got to appreciate, especially in the summer, some of the stuff that these, these boys had been doing. Um, they, they play a lot of local shows everywhere from, you know, Rochester to Syracuse to Ithaca to Buffalo um, and, and festivals and just a tiny bit of history. In 2017, they, uh, there was a, a, a summer-long concert series at a local bar right in town and it, it was called the battle of the bands and it went from june to october and they actually won it and they they got paid a thousand bucks for winning this and that that's how they paid to uh, record the world game their their first full for full uh, album so but you know we, we go we used to go to these different things and the thing that was one of the most rewarding things to me is watching some of the bands that they're opening for come out and watch them. Um, they open for Havoc, which is a pretty big metal band, uh, two or three times now. But those guys always come out and watch them, and they're like, oh, my God, this is, this is fantastic. And w- one special memory I have is we're at this one festival, and there was another band that came out behind the raised stage and sat there, and you could just see him smiling and laughing because they were right behind uh, Dylan's drum kit, and they were watching his footwork and the double bass pedals and everything, and, you know, they're just going nuts. But there's two huge concerts we've had with Invictor that apply to me. I am 51 years old, and uh, on my 50th birthday, they tried to surprise me, but it didn't work. But we had, they played a concert for my birthday at that bar up up in town. It was probably the best birthday I ever had. You know, all my family was out there. And, you know, when I say family and friends, I mean anybody, if you like a Victor, you're my friend. So we had a packed house and it was just, it was unbelievable. So that really was one of their last concerts because that was in November of 2019. And they were taking a break to work on this new album, uh, the, the Chaos, Chaos Theory. And I kept going down to the practice facility that they have, which is, you know, three, four miles away from my house now. And I said, you know, I'm sick of this guy. I don't care if we do it in my backyard, let's do a concert. It'll be so much fun. I said, I'll go knock on every neighbor's door. (laughs) And 
so that that's what we did. You know, we set it up, and I believe on their Facebook page that entire concert is is posted still. But we we ran power out of the garage, did a couple tests, make sure we weren't going to blow everything, and we found out that our local noise order ordinance kicks in. I think it was eight o'clock, so we started at two and promised everybody they'd only play for an hour, and they played for I think two two and a half hours. But <laughs> instead of instead of them doing what they do at specific shows where they have just a specific amount of time so they you know they get you know play their 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 hits and everything they just kind of let loose and had fun played their songs played a bunch of covers and it 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 just was it felt like a a, a very deep breath in this pandemic ridden year you know everybody was there we all had our masks and stayed apart from each other but it was just so much fun and we had probably 30 people You'd see them walk down my driveway and then walk out, and then somebody else would come in, and it did generate a lot of interest in the in the neighborhood, to be sure. You just get neighbors coming over to, they've been forewarned that this is happening, yeah. but now they're just like, oh, maybe I'll go check this out for a couple songs. Well, it's something to do. Yeah. You know, everybody was doing nothing. We were saying hi to each other from our front lawns, you know. Let's take one more musical interlude one more song during our conversation. This is The World Game, the title track from Invictra's 2018 album. Again, The World Game. Again, that is the World Game, the title track from Invictra's 2018 album. Talking again with Thad Thompson, the father of Dylan. That is Invictra's drummer. You've heard that drum kit uh, quite a bit in two tracks throughout this conversation. Thad, the superintendent at Terry Hills Maintenance in Batavia, New York. So, great backyard concerts, and you were going around the neighborhood, knocking on doors, making sure everybody was cool with it, and saying, well, we'll only play an hour. And it turns out to be two, two and a half hours, but you started at two in the afternoon. Nobody's taking a nap. Uh, what is the future for Invictra? Whenever the pandemic wraps up, are they going to be able to get back and play in clubs? Might there even be a tour coming up for folks outside the uh, upstate New York area? You know, before the, the whole pandemic and stuff, there was there was several talks about something like that going and doing, I think one was an East Coast sweep or so, so 
something like that. But you know, everything's cooled off. It, it will it'll ramp back up again. I mean, I'm sure they're going to start out, you know, back in the clubs and you know some of these festivals. And I would I would almost bet that there's going to be like like golf was during the pandemic. We're going to see some bigger crowds at shows once we're allowed to do this mm-hmm. again. So I'm hoping that'll help get their name out there a little bit more because every every place they play, they seem to pick up a few more followers. And it just, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit. I think their goal is just to put out some very heavy thrash in your face type music. And I think that's the way Dylan describes it. <laughs> when you are out on the course or even just in the office doing paperwork, how often do you listen to Invictor? Cause I mentioned at the top of the show, I listen to him on the treadmill and it is like, it is great workout music. Do you ever just, oh, yeah. just straight up work to Invictra? A lot of times, not, not really at work a lot of times, but okay. in my, in my kitchen, I have, <laughs> I have a sound. I, I, I am still very much into music, but I got a Bluetooth stereo in my kitchen that's hooked to my TV um, a lot of times what I will do, I'll, I'll put their music on if like I'm showering or something, but if I'm in the kitchen cooking or cleaning or whatever, whatever the case may be, I put on videos and, you know, they've got some very interesting, they, they actually have a, uh, a full length video that they did off the world game for the, the serpent's bite. And I, it's, it's, it's one of the only mistakes that I made as a father with this band because, uh, Dylan says to me, hey, we're, we're shooting a video this weekend. Why don't you come down to the rehearsal? Well, you know, that's, that's nice, you know, pat him on the head kind of thing. <laughs> video, oh, okay, cool. Somebody's got an iPhone, that's great. And then the video, he, he got the copy of the video a few weeks later, and I looked at this thing, I was like, oh, my God. And he looked at me, and he goes, I told you. Well, apparently the lead singer's cousin, Stephen, is from Virginia. He came up, and he, he told the boys, you know, your first video I'm going to do, I've never done a video. And this is an extremely professional video. And I just wish I'd been there to at least watch some of the taping in action. That would have been, would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you'd mentioned that when we were texting over the weekend. It is a, it is a professional level, professional quality music video. It is not what you would expect from a band that's only been together for, I guess Dylan's been in for about five years, but... You know, a new okay. up-and-coming band without much of a budget. Right. That's pretty cool. Any other videos in the future for them? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm actually pushing for, for something just because, I mean, like I said, I put videos on, and that one is always in the rotation. But they have a bunch that, that Dylan has taken the initiative on, especially in some of these festivals. He used to just set up a GoPro on himself. You know, huh. look, look at me drumming, kind of stuff, and it's uh, and it's just it's it's fascinating to me. I, I I know it isn't to everybody, but to be able to just see your son do this kind of stuff and and kind of mark time with it because some of them are very early, and I I get to see how he's progressed over the years too. You know, well, and everybody loves talking about their kids. We had Eric Bauer on from Blue Jack uh, a few months ago. His son is the place kicker at Arkansas, and his other son is a, a very good high school basketball player. Uh, I've got a four-year-old, and I love talking about her. Uh, yeah. Just the precocious things that four-year-olds say. you know. And obviously having you on, again, we were going to talk about 
the Buffalo Bills if they had made the Super Bowl, but this is a much better topic. People love to talk about their kids. I even know more about this. <laughs> <laughs> than the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> anything else that you want to talk about in Victra? Anything we didn't cover? Uh, anything you want folks to know about the band? Well, I mean, shameless, shameless promotion. Sure. I mean, you can look for them on Facebook, Instagram, and you can try Twitter, but I got the comment this week. The only time anybody likes anything on Twitter is when you put it out. So <laughs> <laughs> um, They are on Bandcamp and Spotify and YouTube and Apple Music and Amazon, all those streaming platforms. So there's my shameless plug. I-N-V-I-C-T-R-A. Even if it's not your cup of tea, uh, there's got to be somebody on your crew who's a bit of a metal fan or just to have it on in the background, if there's anything that you want to get done in half the time, turning a six-minute shower into a three-minute shower, turning a ten-minute mile into a five-minute mile, this music will course through your veins and and get you to do stuff faster. Great music. I love it. Now, before I let you go, I have to ask, because it was such a successful season, and because you do have it in your Twitter bio, you are a member in good standing of Bill's Mafia. I am down the Great Lakes a little bit in Cleveland, and there's, there's a history between the Browns and the Bills. When the Browns left and didn't exist for three years, Bills fans took in Browns fans for three years. Uh, there was a game every year where Buffalo opened up to displaced Cleveland fans, which was really nice. And it was great to see both teams do so well this year, and the Bills so close to a Super Bowl. Such a weird year for the NFL without many fans in the stands. But what was this year like for you as... Obviously, we talked about being a dad and being a metal dad, a little bit about being a superintendent, and what a wild year there. But what was this year like for you as a Bills fan? It's, it's funny because, I mean, they've had some success the last couple of years. You know, I'm old enough to have gone through the early 90s with yep. going to the Super Bowl four times and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's funny because we, at Terry Hills here, we host the Jim Kelly Celebrity Classic every oh. year. So we get to meet all those guys. Uh, Josh has played in it the last few years that it's been here, too, so I got to meet him, too. Great kid, by the way. Quarterback Josh but, Allen. Yeah, yeah. The connection now with social media compared to what it was in the 90s, it's a whole different level. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure anybody who has annoyed some members of the Bills Mafia knows. The women are just as knowledgeable as the men in this fan base. It's like a family and a community, and to actually see the selflessness of the giving. Um, for anybody outside of Buffalo who doesn't know, Josh Allen's grandmother died the night before, and I don't remember what game, so it doesn't matter. But the donations in $17 increments, which is his number, to the Oshi Children's Hospital in Buffalo have uh, exceeded a million dollars already. And there is now a Patricia Allen wing um, on that hospital. So it's just, it's just amazing to see the sense of community that, that a football team seems to have brought back to the city of Buffalo again. That's awesome. And I remember even after they beat the Ravens, it wasn't a million dollars probably, but I know a lot of Bills fans donated to yep. Lamar Jackson uh, and his causes after beating the Ravens in the playoffs. I mean, I, I go back, I was in the stands five days before my 18th birthday when Fred Smurless blocked a, a field goal and the Bills won a 
garbage in overtime, nine to six against the Jets, and the goalpost came down. You know, so I mean, that was nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> Different times. That would never happen on an NFL field. Now it would happen in the eighties and nineties, certainly right. in Buffalo and Cleveland and, and other places like it, but not today. Well, Buffalo hadn't done anything for twenty years at that point, too. So I mean, it was it was a special special memory to to be sure. And. Before I let you go, I have to ask, because I'm a pro wrestling fan, and table spots have been such a big thing in pro wrestling for at least 20 years. And they're also a big thing in Bill's Mafia world. Like, every time some crazy hashtag Bill's Mafia video starts trending on Twitter, it's because some guy, probably drunk and probably a guy, goes through a table. Now, in wrestling, it's always the younger guys, but sometimes it's the guys in their 40s and 50s. You're 51. Dad, have you ever done a table spot? No, I have not. <laughs> Probably for the best. I had, I had neck surgery ah. in 2017. My table jumping days are over. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thad Thompson, the superintendent at Terry Hills Maintenance in Batavia, New York, the dad of Daly and Dylan. Again, we'll listen to one more song from Dylan and Invictra, Chaos Theory, on the way out. But before I let you go, anything else you want to plug or promote? You know what? If you follow me on Twitter, you I guess you already know this, but uh, big shout out to Big Cat Sports who uh, makes some really cool stuff for golf course maintenance workers, uh, clothing-wise. Some really good things. and It's just something that I have liked since I stumbled across it. So, you know, give, give them a follow and take a look at their stuff. Thad, this was so much fun. Much more fun, I think, than just talking about the Bills for an hour. And I hope we've made a few Invictor fans. Uh, I, I hope so, too, and I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. My thanks again to Thad Thompson for taking some time to step off the course. My thanks to AquaAid Solutions for their second year of sponsoring this show. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, off the course, and the OG Tartan Talks, right here, every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Our February issue is online now with a great cover story by Guy Cipriano about Firestone Country Club. You know it from so many televised events over the decades, but what do you really know about what happens under the water tower? Check it out online at www.golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine. It'll be in your physical inboxes soon, if it's not there already. You can read more industry news and notes in our fast and firm email newsletter delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. Sign up online at www.golfcourseindustry.com under the subscribe tab. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are fantastic. Terry Buchan, Henry DeLosier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morrigan, and Matthew Wharton. We have some incredible regular contributors. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolf. If you have not already listened to it, check out the first episode of Rick's new podcast, Wonderful Women of Golf. Sue Spar is his first guest. Our publisher is Dave Zai. Our sales wizards are Russ Warner and Andrew Hatfield. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. He makes it look great every single month. Kate McCoy makes sure everything goes where it should. April Braden and Christina Warner make sure you all receive the magazine. 
I hope Christina and Russ are stocked up for this snowstorm. It'll take them two days to dig out. Kelly Ant will make sure we all get paid. Michaela Dodrill handles advertising and production. Irene Sweeney does just about everything. Anna Kolar, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Patrick Brion, and Aaron Schreider make up our IT team. They keep us online. Stephen Webb handles our classifieds. Our president is Chris Foster. He's in his early 50s and considers treadmill running 12 miles an hour at an 8% incline to be slow. Okay, Chris. Above all else, we couldn't do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening.